We would like to begin this podcast by acknowledging that the land on which we record is the occupied, traditional, and unceded territory of the Stalo First Nation. I think one of the biggest problems we have in the world at the moment, Shalane, is we think of these amorphous groups of people, those people, those refugees, those immigrants, and we other them, we make them feel less than us, you know. In our minds, we, we've become superior. And I think we can do that with those that are going hungry and, and, and figure, you know, in our mind, we can rationalize that. Well, maybe they come from a corrupt country or, well, maybe they just didn't look after stuff well before. You know, they're just, they're just not as good as us because we've got it sorted out. And these are human beings made in the image of God, every single one of them, worthy of dignity and respect. And, and we would want them to come alongside us if we were in this state. Welcome to the Ending Poverty Together podcast. I'm Shalane, and we're here to discuss big questions about poverty in bite-sized ways. Andy Harrington is the executive director of the Canadian Food Grains Bank, a charity intelligence top 10 impact charity that last year facilitated 106 food security projects in 34 countries around the world. The organization is a partnership of 15 Canadian church denominations and agencies with a goal to end global hunger. Andy is married to Helen and travels, writes, and speaks extensively on a number of issues including biblical justice and the need for the church to release a new generation of justice and poverty-minded leaders. He has a master's degree in missiology and can regularly be found motorbiking or hiking in places like Alaska and Africa. Andy, welcome to the podcast, and I bet there's a lot of stories that could come just from that last part of your introduction. Hey, Shalane, it's great to be with you, and I guarantee there's a, a lot of stories that could come from that, and who knows if we might get to them. I should also say I have a wonderful daughter who works alongside you. You do. Hungry, so I just need to... Uh, be full, full disclosure there. Yes, yes, we love Sarah. We're, we're very grateful. In fact, she may have had something to do with getting you joining us on this podcast as quickly as you were able to. <laughs> she, she might well have twisted a few fingers. Yes, yeah. she may have. Yeah. Andy, I'd love to jump right into our conversation and mm-hmm. begin with the question we're asking each guest this season. And it's really a, a finish the sentence. Poverty is complex because... How would you end that sentence <laughs> or paragraph? Well, poverty is, complex. poverty is complex because it's about more than just money. It's about relationships. It's about agency. It's about powerlessness. Uh, it's about the sense of being deprived from the resources that other people next to you have. And so um, poverty is, is about things that are broken. And uh, our work is, is to put them right. I'm always very – this is a, a long sentence. I hope that's all right. That's okay. It can be but a paragraph. I'm always – I'm always reminded of um, uh, a wonderful, well, it's actually awful and wonderful uh, at the same time report that the World Bank put out in about 2000 called Voices of the Poor. And when they mm. asked people to describe poverty, they didn't just talk about, you know, the lack of money in a wallet or the inability to buy supplies. They talk about shame. They talked mm. about powerlessness. Mm-hmm. They talked about fear. Um, it was all these things that really said, you know, we don't have the ability, the agency to impact our situation. So I think poverty is a very complex scenario or thing, Mm -hmm. both in terms of how we face the world, how we're affected by the world, how our relationships are are impacted as part of that. It's it's really about the broken systems that cause that to happen. Mm -hmm. 
Which is really a, a great segue into what we're talking about today. We're, we're going to be discussing food security or the lack of food security and hunger that people face. My suspicion is if you were to say to someone, what are the causes of hunger? The first thing that's going to pop into people's mind is a lack of food. My guess is that your answer is going to be far more complex than that. <laughs> Well, I think it's a simple answer, but it's not as, as simple as well, it's mm -hmm. a lack of food because you have to ask the question of well, why. Mm -hmm. You know, why don't you go to, if you've got a lack of food, why don't you just go to the store and buy some? Well, it's way, right. way more complex than that. So when I think of what causes hunger around the world, and we can talk about how that's getting worse in a minute, and actually I hope how we can make it better as well. Mm -hmm. I think of four things. So the first one I would say is that poverty itself, we've talked about this already, poverty causes hunger, the inability to be able to supply food for um, your family, to be able to supply the resources that your family needs. So and that often goes hand in hand with historical and, and ongoing injustices around the world. We, we live in an unjust world. Mm -hmm. uh, our systems aren't good. Um, I was reading recently that the thousand, most, thousand richest people in the world have over 50% of all the world's economic income. A thousand people wow. have over 50% of the economic resources that the world has. And you think of the world that's heading towards 9 billion mm -hmm. and you really see the injustice of that. So <sighs> first of all, there's, there's the, the poverty and inequality that actually causes this. But, but secondly, at the moment, I mean, we're really dealing with some particular key issues. It's a bit of a perfect storm. So secondly, at the moment around the world, in the world that I work in, um, I would say is conflict. So we have 105 mm -hmm. million people at the moment mm -hmm. that are displaced because of conflict. Uh, around the world so that's many of those people would be smallholder farmers and smallholder farmers make up the majority of food producers in the world and so you have 105 million people who've been shifted from their land mm -hmm. who are then being moved into situations of great food insecurity putting stresses on local system mm -hmm. as they move as those uh, displaced peaceful people move there might be resource wars i was in a place i was in a place called tukana in northern kenya just under a year ago uh, where people were just moving because of something we'll talk about in a minute, climate change. Mm. And we're moving in, across the border into Ethiopia and being chased out of there because they were, they were pastoralists with, with animals mm. uh, and they were trying to graze their animals in other people's land. And so you have resource wars. So conflict around the world is, is huge in places like Yemen, in Syria. Uh, in um, uh, we, we saw it in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. There's other issues there now, but uh, we, we've seen it in northern Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. So conflict. The, the third thing I would say, the third thing I would say is climate change. I've already alluded to that. Right. So we're seeing massive, massive consequences of climate change mm -hmm. uh, around the world. We see it here in Canada. Speaking from BC, where in the last two years we've had heat domes and right. massive floods. But yes. But I was recent recently in Ethiopia and and, and drove through miles and miles and miles and just saw absolutely stunted and wasted crops everywhere I went mm. because the Horn of Africa is just moving into its sixth failed rainy season. That's unprecedented and unheard of. So mm. that's changing the way that we grow crops across vast uh, mm -hmm. patches of the world. And then finally, and, and one I think that, that Canadians will understand as they listen to this to at least a degree is economic disruption. You know, we went through COVID. Yes. We went to our supermarkets and couldn't find toilet paper or that really nice Thai spice <laughs> that we liked with our stir fry. Mm -hmm. um, we were in places at the Canadian Food Grains Bank where people were just absolutely moved into massive, catastrophic food insecurity within days because of some of those lockdowns and shortages. Hmm. Um, recently, we've seen the Ukrainian war. Uh, we saw 
uh, for a number of months at the beginning of the Ukrainian war, that they were unable to supply grain. Ukraine and Russia actually supply a third of the world's cereal imports. Uh, sorry, a third of uh, the cereal imports to, to about 52 countries and territories, particularly in sub-Saharan Africa and the Middle East. Hmm. When that grain wasn't available, prices has rocketed up. And so we've seen inflation here that peaked Mm -hmm. 8% a couple of months ago. Mm -hmm. Places that I'm going to, I was in Lebanon recently. We can talk more about that in a minute because it's a good example of how everything isn't working. Mm -hmm. And and while I was there, inflation I was there for five days. We saw inflation rise 30% in those five days. Now, how do you afford food in the context of that? Wow. Crazy situation. That's shocking. So you bring bring all these things together, Mm -hmm. and we have an absolute perfect storm that is impacting the poorest people in the world in the most Mm. atrocious ways so that we're seeing hunger massively increase around the world at the moment. Mm -hmm. Now, you have given a variety of different stats just as you were talking there. 105 Mm -hmm. million displaced people because of conflict is one of them. That gives some indication of the scope of this crisis. What what really is the scale of the current crisis? crisis andy well it is quite serious uh, and and actually it's it's getting worse so mm. um every year there's a report that the un brings out called the state of food insecurity in the world mm-hmm. um we're just about to to see uh, the 2022 report come out so we're always a year behind because it takes time to compile sure. stats so the latest figures we have were from 2021 so the year before that um in 2019 uh, it was noted that those in severe hunger around the world, it was about 690 million. And that was a, that was a shock, actually, because um, for, for a number of years, especially since the millennium, UN Millennium Development Goals, which really put mm-hmm. ending hunger right at the top there, at goal number two, um, for a number of years, we saw things go down. We mm-hmm. saw the numbers fall, and we thought, hey, we're getting a grip on this on global hunger. Mm-hmm. But it, it kind of plateaued, and then it shot up fairly substantially to 2019 at 690 million. So then comes 2021 mm-hmm. uh, with all that we saw through COVID and everything that happened. So between 2019 to 2020, it was around 690 million. And it went up to, in 2020, uh, sorry, 2021 rather, it went up to 828 million. <sighs> so we moved from, from 690 million to 828 million. Hmm. That's 138 million in one year. When we see the figures come out this year, I will be really surprised if we don't see a massive upward leap again. Hmm. We've got 50 million people on the edge of or in on the edge of or in famine around the world. We've got 26 million people across hmm. just four countries. That's uh, Ethiopia, Kenya, South Sudan, and Somalia, all in the Horn of Africa facing mm-hmm. this drought. 26 million facing acute hunger. Hmm. Um, I don't want, I don't want to bore you with stats, but just a yeah. couple more that I think is really important to know. Mm-hmm. 45% of child deaths worldwide are due to hunger-related causes at the moment. 45%? And, and four, 45. We have 14 million children suffering severe acute malnutrition. So wow. all these trends are heading in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think there are many reasons for that. We've talked about some of the, that cascading crisis, as we call it, with all those Cs. Mm-hmm. I talked about conflict and climate mm-hmm. and you know, everything else. But, but um. I think what we have to remember is that in the context of the world we're living in at the moment, we're taking our eye off the ball because we're so got caught up in our own internal politics and everything else. And in the meantime, people are starving. Mm -hmm. And we have to be aware of that and we have to make a change around that. Mm -hmm. Those numbers are staggering. 
and it feels overwhelming to be honest yeah. you know just how how does a person even begin to wrap their head around the magnitude of the situation and yeah. and what can be done about it well, that's a great question, Shalane, and, and they are staggering. And, and even as I was reading them out to you, as I was saying them, I'm thinking, yeah, these are just zeros. These are just numbers. And, mm. and we hear numbers all the time. But what I, for me, Shalane, they're real people. Uh-huh. So they're, they're the people I met in Lebanon mm-hmm. just two months ago who were Sy- refugees from Syria that had been there for nearly, a, well, nearly 12 years, actually, just trying to figure out how to survive in the midst of rampant inflation and complete hmm. uh, devaluation of currency. So they're real people. They're Jean-Baptiste. They're, they're Jean-Marie. They're mm-hmm. Florence. These are real people that I've mm-hmm. met around the world. They're, um, they're Aznakech that I met in Ethiopia. And, mm-hmm. and so the first thing I would say is the first thing we've got to do is even despite me, you know, <laughs> waterboarding you with numbers right. there, we have to remember they're real, yeah. real human beings. Yes, That's the first thing. Absolutely. The second thing is we can, we can do something about this. Yeah. We we have the resources to do this. We have it within us to end hunger in a generation. The numbers have been crunched as of about a year and a half ago. Uh, it was reckoned that the, the the intelligent application of thirty six billion dollars could end hunger in our generation. We have it within wow. us to do that. Mm-hmm. When we're looking at the amount of money that's being spent on the Ukraine war, or the amount of money that's being um, spent on various research programs, mm-hmm. we have it within us to do that. Mm-hmm. And so it's really believing and having hope that these numbers aren't the end of the matter. And it's the application of the right types of technology, the right types mm-hmm. of uh, resource, and the right types of money that, that we need to make that happen. I can say a bit more about that and what that would look like in a minute, if you like. Mm-hmm. Well, at Food for the Hungry, in addition to doing our long-term community development work, we have uh, what we call Feeding Families, an opportunity, Mm -hmm. and that's where we send emergency food aid and plant sustainable gardens to feed families, which is Mm -hmm. one tangible way for our listeners to participate in making a difference. You work with Canadian Food Grains Bank. What are some tangible things that you guys are doing um, that you'd like to share with our listeners as well. Sure. And, and, and may I just say, I really am a fan of uh, Food for the Hungry. have been for many, many years, even before my daughter Sarah started working <laughs> there. Um, and I know what you do. And I've actually visited a number of your projects in Africa and, and have great, great uh, admiration for the work that you do. Mm. And our work is, is somewhat similar. We, we're, um, we partner with the Canadian government, and so we're as as you said in your introduction, we have a, a membership of fifteen organisations mm-hmm. with many many local partners on the ground. Um, this year, uh, as as that those numbers have elevated, we've also elevated our response. So this year, we've committed over eighty million dollars uh, to programs around the world in one hundred in thirty six countries, about one hundred and twenty four programs, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what we do is, um, it's kind of three things. So the first one is we, we provide food assistance mm-hmm. in times of emergency. So things that you have seen recently would be, I'd say, the Turkey-Syria earthquake or before that, the Beirut uh, blast or um, uh, all the – we talked about this, but the, the hunger crisis that's happening in the Horn of Africa because of mm-hmm. uh, failed rainy seasons. Mm-hmm. So we often are involved in supplying emergency food resource just to, just to keep, stop people from starving, basically. Right. Um, and that's a wonderful thing, and it's a good thing, mm-hmm. and I've been and seen those programs around the world and, and been blown away by the difference we can make. But the reality is that doesn't solve the problem. Mm-hmm. That 
that creates an, a short-term solution. And so the other thing we do is much, much longer-term programming around resilience. We're doing a lot of really interesting work around providing um, what we call, you know, around helping to facilitate what we call climate, um, climate uh, smart food system, hmm. climate resilient food systems. Mm -hmm. So we're doing a lot of work in places like Zimbabwe and Mozambique and Ethiopia and Kenya and other parts of Africa um, to really help farmers adapt their types of agriculture uh, to ones that are much more climate resilient. We use a, a process called conservation agriculture, which is, is really helping farmers uh, across um, whole swathes of sub-Saharan Africa to see much greater crop yields mm. in a time of declining moisture and, you know, de of, of climate change. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's really good. So we're building long-term resilience. But one mm -hmm. of the things we're starting to do more of now is actually joining those two things together. We call it nexus programming. Hmm. So it's starting with, with um, it's starting in places that are in emergency mm -hmm. and really saying, okay, we have the capability and we can't do this everywhere, but we have the capability here to move these people out of emergency by giving them food assistance and mo immediate emergency assistance. But then mm -hmm. saying, we are going to stick around and we're going to transition this into helping you build your own resources and your own hmm. agency so that when this disaster strikes again, mm -hmm. you have resilience and, and you don't need to, to, to look for support and assistance from organizations like us. And so we have a program called um, HERD. It stands for Humanitarian Early Recovery and Development that are, is really helping people in, in, in situations of, of really quite desperate need hmm. move to a place where they actually have their own resources. And we've seen some wonderful things happen there where we've seen, you know, I was in a, I was in visiting one of the projects a, a few, probably about 10 months ago, actually, mm -hmm. um, and went to this place that had been in drought to see these verdant fields of, of uh, there was corn maize there, there were watermelons, there were all sorts of things that people hmm. had grown. And then telling me we never knew we could do this, but but um, we had the training, we had the mm -hmm. resources, and now we're training other people. Other people were coming, oh, looking, seeing what was happening, and saying, "Right, let's spread this." So, yeah. So there is hope, Shalane. You know, we can get lost in all these numbers, but mm -hmm. we we could we could end this or, uh, if we wanted to. And in the meantime, we're doing what we can uh, to see see. Well, in our case, over a million people a year. I think it will be this year. Um, lifting out of hunger. We, and, and we believe our, our strap line is end hunger. And one thing I would say is, especially when you think of those big numbers, uh, I, when I started work at Food Grains Bank, I thought, well, how do you end hunger? Mm -hmm. You know, that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then what I've come to realize is that for every one of those people that's seeing better crop yields, for getting food, that's feeding their families, that's able to generate income to put their kids from school, well, we're ending hunger with every one person that mm -hmm. actually has the food assistance they need so mm -hmm. and the nutrition they need so mm -hmm. that's a good thing i think absolutely and it it really brings it back to i so appreciate what you said earlier about these numbers are zeros but these are individual human beings these are lives that are of value and worth and they have these people have names and one person being saved at a time, you know, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. We're all very, I'm sure we're all familiar. I've been familiar with it for many years. Every now and then I get reminded of that old starfish story, you know, the one where the, mm -hmm. the, the, the boy is walking on the beach with his grandfather and he sees all these starfish that have been washed up and he throws one back and the father says, well, what are you doing? That won't make him make any difference. And he says, well, it makes a difference to that one. And yes. I think one of the biggest problems we have in the world at the moment, Shalane, is we think of these amorphous groups of people, those people, those mm -hmm. refugees, those immigrants. And we, 
we other them, we make them feel less mm-hmm. than us, you know. Mm-hmm. In our minds, we, we become superior. And I think we can do that with those that are going hungry. And, and, you know, in our mind, we can rationalize that. Well, maybe they come from a corrupt country or, well, maybe they just didn't look after stuff well enough or, mm-hmm. you know, they're just, they're just not as good as us because we've got it sorted out. And these are human beings mm-hmm. worth, made in the image of God, every single mm-hmm. one of them worthy of dignity and respect and, and we would want them to, to to come alongside us absolutely if we were in this state where you live shouldn't determine whether you live or whether you die right so you know it's too important for us to take our eyes off the ball and think they're just numbers and they're just people who are different from us they're real human beings mm-hmm. Andy, if you were having a conversation with somebody who really had no exposure to any of this information any of the four things that you shared what would you want somebody to know? What, you know, maybe we've already touched on that, the individuality of people and not creating that sense of other, which really takes away people's, strips them of their humanity, really. Uh, what yeah. What do you want people to know about this crisis and about the hope? Well, I, if I would, it would be two things for me, Shalane. The first one would be that, you know, I kind of touched this on already, but you can, I would say to them, you can make a difference. Mm-hmm. You know, here at... Um, here at Food Grains, we talk about give, pray, learn, advocate. And, you know, give, mm-hmm. uh, the same as for, for food for the hungry. Be involved. Mm-hmm. You know, share of what you've got with those who have less than you. Pray as a, as a person of faith. I believe that God listens. In fact, I've discovered that God is very, very, very present in these situations mm-hmm. and inviting us to come and join him. Mm-hmm. Learn. Learn about this. Educate yourself about the situation. You know, don't just, don't just put it to one side. I mean, we're talking – severe issues here we're not talking about people who when i talk about hunger i don't mean someone who uh, missed my lunch or right. missed my breakfast they've got a bit of a bit of a tummy ache. i'm talking about people and i've met these people who are saying which one of my six kids is not going to eat for the next two mm. days so the other ones can mm-hmm. you know i've met mothers i met a mother in a feeding station uh, in ethiopia last july who was telling me that she she had to choose on a daily basis which of her family could eat and which they couldn't and, and she had to describe watching one of her children just watching the others eat with hungry eyes oh. educate and learn about this and then advocate get involved don't sit back mm-hmm. you know we we do a lot of work with the canadian government and with politicians mm-hmm. and uh, we recently took 26 young canadians to ottawa to mm-hmm. meet with their mps to talk about this it was really incredibly inspiring hmm. to see how they engaged and said no we can make a difference and you know, we need to. I mean, our Canadian government has just cut the, the aid budget by $1.15 mm-hmm. million. We understand there are domestic needs, but the needs around the world are huge. And mm-hmm. they, we are all interlinked. So so that would, be, that would be what I would say is get involved, make a difference, mm-hmm. and, and know that you can make a difference. And if I was to add one other thing as well, sure. it would be to say that um, never forget that every human being is a human being. Mm-hmm. And uh, Romeo Dallaire said this in a meeting I was in. He was the head of the UN forces in Rwanda during the genocide there. He said, every human is a human. No one is less human than any other. These are real human beings, mm-hmm. and it could be you or me. So let's get alongside them and do what we can to help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's powerful. Wow. Andy, when we were thinking of doing this conversation um, it comes from a long history, actually, of organizational collaboration. And I'm curious what role you would say collaboration can have in ending this hunger crisis. That's a great question, Shalane. And I work in an organization that's all about collaboration. 
So uh, with our 15 members all working together, mm-hmm. all sharing resources, and these are big members. We, we, you know, we're talking about people like ADRA, Tier Fund, uh, mm-hmm. World Renew. We have 15 other members out there as well, MCC, for those locally who know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so our whole job is collaboration. Uh, and, and so we, we work through people on the ground mm-hmm. who are locally based. And, and actually, two of those partners at the moment are FH. Mm-hmm. We work with you. Uh, in Ethiopia, and we work with you in Mozambique. We pr- supply funding for projects uh, in those areas. Collaboration is everything. Mm-hmm. Um, none of us should really feel we have the answer. None of us should think, hey, I, I know how to do this. And and one of the things I'm, I'm very passionate about within our international development sector here in Canada mm-hmm. is that we learn to work together better. So I, I sit on the board of the Humanitarian Coalition with a number of agencies that come together in emergency response. Um, and we're here at... Uh, Food Grains, as I know you are at Food for the Hungry, we're, we're part of coalitions mm-hmm. um, that, that, that come together around uh, international development issues. So I, I think collaboration is essential. We can't do this alone. And anytime, one of the things I really hate, Shalini, is when we start to get territorial or, mm. hey, that's my bag and I do that. You do. This, this is God's work. It's mm-hmm. God's kingdom and we're, we're called Amen. to be in it together. So I, we're really pleased to partner with uh, Food for the Hungry and look forward to more in the future. And with other organizations as well. Mm-hmm. We are fast coming to the end of our time, which is always surprises, catches me off guard because I feel like these conversations could go on for a very long time. Mm-hmm. What else do you want to tell me today? What else would you like our listeners to know? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I, my brain is cascading with things I want to say now. Sure. But I think the most important thing would be that you, you can make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's kind of underlining what I said already, but... Well, let's put it this way. Next time you're watching CBC or CTV or Global Mm -hmm. and something comes on about international hunger, don't change the channel. Mm. The next time you're sitting and and reading the the Global Mail or your online news source and and something comes up about what's going on in Somalia, don't sit there and think, oh, that's not important. It is crucial. Mm. And, you know, I mentioned this earlier, but I, I have been in situations in some very unusual parts of the world where... Um, I've been trying to figure out what do I do, you know, as a leader in, in this field, how do I, how do I make a change here? And mm-hmm. on a number of occasions, I've heard a little voice in my head saying, well, I'm already here. Why don't you just come mm-hmm. and join me? Mm-hmm. And I know who that voice is coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what I would say is that there's always some, an invitation before each one of us. It's up to us to, to work out what it is, but don't change the channel because you might find yourself being invited into something mm-hmm. that you didn't expect if you just pay attention. Mm-hmm. You have spoken, uh, how many countries have you mentioned being in, just Ooh. even in our, our short little time together <laughs> here today? You have seen some, I can only imagine, horrific kinds of situations. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you process it? How do you... On a personal level, how do you handle what you see and the distress yeah. internationally? That is a great question, Shalane. It's something that came up recently, just after you know, I got back from Lebanon uh, in February, mm-hmm. and I'm actually I'm heading to Somalia next. Well, I'm going to Kenya first, then to Somalia next week, and I'm going to be visiting uh, a very wonderful project that's a childhood malnutrition stabilization center. Um, that's uh, run by one of our members, DMP, and their local partners, Tricare. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually a it's actually a project that was featured on CBC a couple of weeks ago on the National, um, and it is a place, sadly, 
where children at the last stages uh, go to to try and have their mm. lives saved and not everybody makes it through and so mm. when i go and see things like that or other things i've seen it it, it has to make an impact on you mm-hmm. and the thing i've learned is this i have to let it make an impact on me because otherwise mm. um, i would be inhuman mm-hmm. but i have to keep telling myself the reason why this is ha- the reason why i'm here why i'm observing these things is to do everything I can, move every single chair around that I can, take, you know, lift up every rock that's in the way mm-hmm. to remove the barriers to stop this happening in the future. And, and mm-hmm. I don't in any way put myself in some kind of God complex, so that's God's role. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I have a job to do. Mm-hmm. It's my job to do that to the best of my ability. And so the, the thing that keeps me going is it doesn't have to be this way. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be this way. Mm-hmm. And I, I have to be here right now in this moment it has to impact me but it can't destroy me it has to empower me mm-hmm. to do everything i can to see these lives change to see these lives saved to see these people fed mm-hmm. it's been about 30 years i've been doing this in one form or another not always with food grains and uh, i spent two years in a war zone in bosnia um i've was one of the first responders to the um, tsunami crisis. And mm. I actually went to Sri Lanka. I've, I have seen some awful things, mm-hmm. but I've always, always, always decided that they must empower me to do whatever I can to be part of mm-hmm. being part of God's response. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for being a faithful follower of that call and doing the work that you're doing. I can imagine people listening, Andy, and thinking, I really want to know more. I want to understand more about Canadian Food Grains Bank. I want to know more about how I can be involved. Where can people find you? Yeah, well, you can go online to find us at uh, www.foodgrainsbank.ca. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also look us up on Twitter and on, on all social media sites. You can look for me on, on social media, Harrington Andy. Mm-hmm. And you can find out lots of information. Our website has tons of resources Excellent. and information around uh, the issues of hunger and how you can get involved. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, always, we're always keen to chat. Mm-hmm. Great. Anything, any final thoughts, anything that's come to mind as we wrap up that you would like to share before we sign off? You know, I think we've covered most things. Mm-hmm. I just want to encourage you, Shalane, in what you're doing with the Ending Poverty Together mm. uh, podcast and the program and just engaging people. It's so important that we have these kind of messages out there that mm-hmm. say that you can be part of things, you can make a difference. So, so anything I want to say is well done. Well done for what you're doing. Thank oh. you for letting us be a part of it. Thank you. Well, I appreciate your affirmation and your participation today. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Shalane. To explore what your next steps could be or to find out more about FH Canada and Canadian Food Grains Bank, start by checking out fhcanada.org resources.